Hello and welcome back to Jake's World, episode 29 of Jake's World. I'm your host, Jake Sawinski, and today is Wednesday, August 12th. 2020 finally has some good news because the Nuance Magazine summer issue will be here tomorrow. Nuance Mag is a budding music, art, style, and culture digital publication focusing on the promotion of talented, up-and-coming creatives. The sophomore Nuance issue hits computer screens across the world on Friday, August 14th, featuring Future's hand-picked prodigy Seti Hendrix as the cover star. In addition to the loaded cast of artists in the issue, they will be announcing the official release of the Nuance-approved clothing line. Be sure to tune in to the next episode of Jake's World 2, because I just might have a promo code for you to use with the Nuance-approved line. So there you have it, first sponsor of Jake's World. Nuance Magazine. Got a buddy from college who's doing a gig with this um, culture, art, music theme um, publication. Super into it. The guys he works with are super into it. And they're doing a really cool thing. So check them out and stay tuned because got a little nugget for you next show. Let's get into it. Not bad for a first ad read, huh? A little bit, a uh, little bit of sport. Actually, it's gonna be mostly sports on today's show, just because did it a day early. What can I say? First off, the NBA is making a change in the bubble policy after the first round of the playoffs. I saw this. This morning at work via Twitter, uh, the NBA bubble is going to allow family members into the campus after the conclusion of the first round of the playoffs. That's supposed to be end of August, more like early September. I mean, it all depends on how the series go. You know, if a lot of them go four or five games, it might be sooner. But all it takes is one series to go seven games, and I'm sure that will be the case based on some of the East matchups that are finalized already. Looking like September, um, the players are going to be allowed to have some family and close friends come to the campus. And I'll get into more of the uh, what's the more of the effects or the the takeaways from this new rule change going forward but getting into the specifics of it after the first round concludes each player gets one room for family members and i quote long time close personal friends with whom a player has an established pre-existing and known personal relationship as well as private security staff and child care providers so if you do some quick math here one room per player For the eight total teams remaining, because it's after the first round, you go from 16 to 8. You're looking at 136 extra hotel rooms based on that family and friend combination, right? Now, family is one thing. 
you know, some of the older guys are going to have up to four family members that they can um, have enter the bubble. And they got to be quarantined and everything. There's specific guidelines into how, uh, you know, someone from out the outside world can safely come into the campus and be interacting with the players. Because, I mean, of course, the player's health is of utmost importance. The weird thing I thought about this was, or what I noticed, was the emphasis on established, pre-existing, and known personal relationship. So, these guys all have blue check marks on their name, right? They've got clout, as you, if you want to say that. Or they've got an established social media platform where they can reach out to hundreds of thousands of people with, you know, the click of their thumbs. And you can't just have um, four girlfriends come in or, you know, somebody that you talk to all the time on Twitter, like, Drake's probably not going to be in the bubble, even though might be tight with a Raptors player or two. It's got to be an existing relationship. So... I guess we'll see what happens in regards to that. I mean, I feel like a lot of the players are just going to have their family come in anyways. But, I mean, those younger guys on the teams that are still in the playoffs are going to not have families. And they're just as entitled to bring people as anyone else. So, I guess as that gets a little closer, we'll see how that plays out. I mean, I think it's a good idea just because the NBA is always a trendsetter when it comes to, you know, being on top of the changes that are taking place in the sports world. They're, like I said, trendsetters. They're very aware of their impact. They're very aware of the social status of, you know, the current social climate. And they're very progressive into trying to implement those changes and be forward thinkers. And it helps when you have a commissioner who thinks like that. Adam Silver is probably the best commissioner in at least four major American sports. I mean, that's a very safe assumption. He's always trying to implement ways for the game to grow, the game to change for the better, and implement things and give us the fans the most entertaining product he can now they would not go through with this because i mean the nba office the front office you know commissioner owners powers would be that sense and the players union agreed to this memo that was submitted you know both parties are signing off on this and if this was a huge significant risk to stopping basketball from taking place this wouldn't have even been thought about if it was outside the realm of possibility to pull this off they wouldn't have even attempted it so all eyes are going to be on the MB- all eyes are going to be on the NBA in this because this could be the framework for how the NHL can implement fans. This could be a way for the NFL 
to think about ways they can incorporate some fan interaction in their games. I don't think the NFL is going to work. I don't even think we're going to have a lengthy season, God forbid. But at least for an indoor setting, a bubble setting, this could be a template to go off of. So I'm going to pay attention to that and see how that works. There won't be Instagram thoughts and, you know, your long-lost high school friend there. It's going to be mostly family and, you know, a couple of close friends, things like that. And they got to be able to prove they haven't been infected or, you know, exposed to any dangers to this virus either. So curious to see how it plays out. Another thing to keep an eye out in regards to this too is what they're going to do during the downtime right we kind of got a little bit of an insight on what the nba players are do they're pretty much confined to their rooms they can't really do much i mean of course you can hang out with your teammates or whatever and that's inevitably what they're doing they're all safe i mean none of them are sick they haven't had a positive test in what feels like a month so and if they're doing everything correctly there shouldn't be but Families are going to see what it's really like, too. And that's going to be a unique perspective, especially for, you know, everybody else coming inside to the bubble and living amongst the players, essentially. And you're going to see a change in the gameplay, too, the game style, because I feel like the role players, I said this last show too, the role players and the guys who you aren't really expecting to do a whole lot have really shined during this bubble format just because there's no pressure. It almost feels like pickup basketball. You know, there's stadium staff, there's coaches, there's security, there's your other players, and that's really it. There's no fans. There's not... 15, 20,000 people yelling boo at you the entire time or banging thunder sticks like they did back in the day or doing anything like that. It's quiet in there for the most part. I mean, hell, you can hear the guys swearing on the court. You can hear all the altercations and the interaction between teammates and um, the other players. And, I mean, you're not going to see a huge swing just because it's only a couple hundred people, but... A couple hundred people is pretty significant, and it's going to change the way, you know, they have to handle the situation down there. So, like I said, be really curious to see what happens there. And fucking Blackhawks lost. Damn it. I really don't like the whole West Coast thing. I mean, I live in Wisconsin, Central Time. I don't want, I, I got to get to work early. I mean, I start at 7. I'm out of the house at 6.30, 6.40. I can't stay up and watch hockey when puck drop is 9.30 at night. So not only did the Blackhawks lose, I didn't even get to see them get steamrolled by Vegas. Down 1-0. The boys need to show up to play. I want to hear lots of Chelsea Dagger. We're not even done yet, so don't worry about them. But the big story from the NHL, five overtimes. Five overtimes. 
Um, I started paying attention to this game at 2 o'clock Tuesday afternoon, yesterday afternoon. Tampa Bay and Columbus had puck drop at 2 o'clock. Went downstairs to watch some more hockey. The game was still on. <laughs> Quadruple overtime. <laughs> I was like, I, I could not imagine doing anything six hours straight, yet alone playing hockey. A um, lot of records set, too. It was pretty crazy. Um, Seth Jones, uh, Columbus's top defenseman, over an hour of ice time. I mean, hockey's pretty crazy what they do to begin with. Then you do it on skates, on ice. And then, if you're not, if you don't pay close attention to hockey, I mean, each game's 60 minutes, three periods, and they don't play that much. They play, defensemen play, you know, in between a third to half of that. Your top line defensemen, you know, average probably 25 to 30 minutes a game. And then your forwards play anywhere from, if you're a first line guy, you're approaching 20. If you're really, really used heavily, you play up to 25, never more than that as a forward. And then your bot, like your fourth line guys, probably play anywhere from five to fifteen minutes, and it's different on each coach. You know, each coach implements a different strategy. Some guys will play longer shifts, and some guys are quick, quick, quick. You know, you're off thirty seconds, you're back on the bench. Quick shifts, quick rotations, and I mean, you keep your guys fresh that way. So you do a lot of little line changes. I mean, each shift can be anywhere from 30 to 45 seconds for a forward, sometimes longer. And then, you know, your defenseman might be on the ice for a minute to a minute and a half. 60 minutes of ice time is crazy. And he did a post-game interview, and you could just see how exhausted he was. And he was playing with effort, too. He wasn't dogging any shift he was out there. So props to them. It was a hard-fought game from the bits I caught. It was 2-2 two to two for the longest time. But, I mean, their goalie had 87 shots faced. 84 saves, I think the final number was. I was waiting to see 100, <laughs> and I really wanted to see a 6 overtime. That would have been insane. But there's like 152 total shots, 151, 152, something like that. Just bonkers and I was thinking about getting a little parlay in the team I picked I would have picked Tampa but I think I was on the fence and just knowing that your pick wasn't a lock yet for six hours would have been insanely nerve-wracking so if you bet on that game I do feel bad for you and before I go any further, I can talk about this right here. I totally spaced on movie of the week. Not going to do that every week from now on just because I feel like I'm not into it as much. I feel like I could pick a new movie if I were to do it every two or three weeks. So I'll do that segment sparingly. I'll still do A Few Good Men on Monday. I'll do that Monday show. And then it'll pop up sporadically here or there. I'm not going to do it recurring. 
And then, as promised, this segment's probably going to take up the remainder of the show. But uh, I did promise I was going to talk about the NCAA and what's going on in that situation. As I said Monday, uh, the Big Ten had their um, school presidents or whatever, I think that's who it was, met to discuss options on going forward with the season. And all 10 schools, with the exception of Nebraska and Iowa, voted to postpone the NCAA season for the fall. Yes, fall is ruined for me. I don't, I mean, I love the colors of the leaves. I love the brisk mornings, not the cold mornings. I don't like when it's, you know, 35 or 40 like most Badger tailgates are. But I like when it's a 60-degree day, you wake up, it's 35, 40. It's cool. It's sweater weather. I like that. I don't like wind. Wind's stupid. I don't like pumpkin patches. Those are stupid. Cuffing season is stupid. My heart getting ripped out on Saturday, anywhere from Saturday morning to Saturday evening, is stupid, but... It's not about the destination, it's about the journey. And I very thoroughly enjoy college football. There's nothing like a lunch beer if you're a normal person. There's nothing like an 8 a.m. beer if you're a college football fan or a college student. And we don't get to experience that this year, and I'm very, very sad. I mean, college kids are still going to ruin it, and I'll... And I'll tie that off at the end because that's going to be me mostly complaining. But very disappointed. Big Ten, along with the Pac-12 for the Power Five conferences, as well as a, a slew of other mid-majors like no Maction on Thursday nights. Come on, everyone loves Maction. Um, Mountain West. A lot of those uh, mid-major conferences or a non-Power 5 conference have canceled their, not even just football, all their fall sports. The Big 12 voted today that they were going to go forward with drawing up a plan for the season. The SEC and the ACC announced last week that they were going to proceed. Uh, Notre Dame's playing in the ACC, if they even play, honestly. Now... In light of everything going on in the news in regards to canceling and players advocating to, you know, let the season go forward, I really find myself stuck in the middle on the issues. And I kind of see both sides, right? Think about it this way. For me, looking at this entire situation and trying to decide whether or not that these guys should actually be lacing up their cleats and lining up for kickoff at whatever time you kick off at. That's not the thing that sticks out to me. Something that um, you need to consider, especially with football and the way it's ingrained in our culture, it's weekend thing. It's not just about the players on the field. It's about all the other things that go on as well, right? Tailgates. You tailgate at baseball games. 
but for the most part, those are tame compared to football ones. You don't see people at baseball tailgates on a Tuesday afternoon um, doing boob luges and uh, playing flip cup and jumping into ping pong tables. You don't see that. That's what college tailgates do. That's what college kids do. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I did my fair share of that and would do it again. I'll probably never stop. It's so much fucking fun. But that's the thing. It's not just about the guys in the field. It's what every it's everything else that comes with it. The guy the kids who stayed in their dorms on Saturdays were fucking losers. The kids who did other things on Sunday and didn't watch football were fucking losers. They're weenies. And if you're at all cool, you go tailgate. And you don't even have to like football. It's the social experience. And it's not, if you've been to a college town before, it's not bars. I mean, I've been a Madison resident for the last six years, almost. Five years, sorry. It's not the bars. Older people go to bars. Undergrads don't. They tailgate at houses and in parking lots and on the street sometimes if it gets crazy enough. And for these college towns, the population doubles on a weekend. If you can sit seat 75,000 people at Camp Randall Stadium... I'm using Madison as an example because that's the one I experienced the most. When you, the population of the city or the downtown area of the city like doubles. And that would be without fans too. If these kids are back in school, you're still going to have a significant uptick in um, social interactions on Saturdays. Even if the kids aren't in the dorm, juniors and seniors, sometimes younger kids, live off campus. Younger kids will go to the places where they can drink and where they're together, not quarantined or taking the correct precautions to um keep this virus at bay and that's what's really frustrating to me is because on one end you have people who are like oh social distance wear your mask do all this stuff and then they go out and get drunk all the time or fuck anything that moves i know a few people like that it's like i know a particular person like that but why would you you can't have your cake and eat it too like you can't, you know, paint this pretty picture online. Be like, oh, you got to do this, this, and this. It makes me mad when people aren't adhering to guidelines and behaving the correct way. But then you go and get blacked out by 11 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Like, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. You can't have both. Pick a side. And if you're doing it safely, more props to you, I guess. But, I mean, I'm not saying to... Do one thing or the other. You just can't complain about one and do the other as well. And I think, in a nutshell, I kind of got sidetracked there. I think that's what these commissioners 
need to think about, or these presidents of the schools should have been thinking about. I doubt they were. I think they were thinking of a feasibility for the actual product itself. But you'd be naive to say that the social setting of what your sport brings to the table was not a factor in it whatsoever. Maybe that's not how they approached it, but that's how they should have approached it. But when it comes to the players, honestly, I don't buy the whole we want to play thing. I do with the professional sports because they're actually paying you. I mean, I kind of see both sides. Trevor Lawrence was one of the more outspoken of the NCAA superstars who went to Twitter to voice his opinion about, you know, the stance the NCAA took on allowing these athletes to play. Well, for one, Trevor, you're playing as of right now. And two, well, I don't even think I can criticize him going to make his point known because I don't think he will be playing in all reality. But I see his I see where he's coming from. Being part of a um, Division One program does give you many benefits that these players may not have without. Right? Um, he cited health care and testing and things like that. Um, you having to be part of a team process, practice, those kinds of guidelines, you know, being with the team most of the time, you have to be safe. It motivates you to be safe because especially in football, if you're let if you do something wrong, you're not the only one accountable for that. The guy next to you is too, right? You're letting your teammates down if you go out to a, a bar or you know, you do an activity that you shouldn't be doing because you should be, you know, doing the best you can to stay healthy. There's accountability there, and I see where he's coming from with that. But, I mean, it's just, for me, it's the entire social aspect of what comes with college football. If you've ever watched college football, if you've ever experienced a tailgate or even been to a game, you know that booze is a part of it. People do crazy things when they're drunk. Are you going to really convince 18 to 22 year olds who will fuck anything that moves and drink anything that is not frozen to adhere to guidelines if they have reason to go do those activities? They're going to do them anyways. And that's going to be the last component of fall is ruined. They're going to do it anyways. Don't give them ammunition to go do it. It's a reason to. It's acceptable. I mean, maybe my faith in humanity is that low, but I don't think I'm that far off. I mean, the last component of that, though, to push the season off to the spring is absolutely irresponsible, too. That was a real Jimbo out of the guy, out of the PR people who announced that. Like, you can't play in the spring and then expect them to play again in the fall of 21. That ain't going to work. Look at it just from a football standpoint. Your best players aren't concerned about college football. College football, you typically play four years there. But if you're high enough 
if your draft if your draft stock excuse me is high enough, you're not gonna risk an injury, not getting paid to do it, just to you know suit up for another sixteen. They don't even play sixteen. That all depends. You know, 13, 14, 15 games. You're not going to do that. And yeah, these guys can get paid on their image and likeness now. But they're not getting paid to play. And how many guys in the NCAA are going to get paid off their image and likeness? You got the top couple of dozen players. And that's really about it. And that's just guys who get drafted. How about the health of the players... I mean, football's been kind of under a microscope the last few years with the concussion thing, the CTE thing. And you're going to... Football's brutal. You're going to make them go play two seasons in a calendar year? I mean, some of those meatheads would be into it, but most... I don't think that's feasible. Plus, what about basketball? Are you going to have every every sport play at one time? It's just not feasible. I mean, either play now or don't play at all this season. I think you got to ditch it. I mean, if you're one of those people that thinks COVID is, um, I won't say manufactured, but being hyped up by our media and our government, there are some things that you could make a valid point for that. I'm not going to go there, but I think it's better to be safe than sorry in instances like this. Life is short, but life is long, too. You can miss one season. And to wrap up the whole um, fall ruin thing, colleges are moving back in. I've been kind of on a hot streak when it comes to predictions here. I mean, I did predict the Blackhawks win. I thought the MLB was going to be done this week. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case. I guess I'm one for two. Hey, 50-50 is pretty good. College kids are moving back in. And as a post-grad who likes to live a enhance, an enhanced college lifestyle, I'm not going to be able to do that. Because you guys are not going to do what you're supposed to do. You don't keep your pants zipped up. You don't stay at home. Do I blame you? No, not really. I mean, you have four years to do that, but you just ruin it for everybody else. And honestly, with the in-class stuff, I give that two weeks. Two weeks a month, it's going to be all shut down. I don't know. I felt like I was ranting a little bit there. It's a little bit frustrating. I'm just sad falls ruined. You know how I did the little bit about Summer of George? Well, this is the fall of George, and this is classic George. So that concludes today's show. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, I do have a new sponsor, the Nuance Magazine. Give them some love on Twitter and Instagram. They're into the pop culture stuff, the art, music, all that. A few talented guys do that stuff. Keep your ears open for promo code, potentially, mm -hmm. coming soon. Get you some access to that stuff. And, 
yeah, go support them. Show them some love. Check them out. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Jake Swinsky 8. At J-A-K-E-S-A-W-I-N-S-K-I-8. Have a good weekend, guys, and stay safe out there. Peace. Up in the morning, miss you bad. Sorry, I ain't call you back. Same problem my father had. All his time, all he had, all he had, and what he dreamed. All his cash, market crash, heard him bad. People get divorced for that. Drop some stacks, pops is good. Mama passed in Hollywood. If you ask, lost my soul. Driving fast, lost control. Off the road, jaw was broke. Remember, we always broke. Remember, I'm coming back. I'm taking all the stacks. Oh, I got bribes in Atlanta. <laughs> Credit cards in the scams. Legacies, fam. Wait and see, look like a gun. Going out like a Montana. Honey killers on the hands. Legacies, fam. Wait and see.